Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. 11 catches the game winner on Sunday. A milestone, at least in their record books, for this uh, Colts franchise and a lot more. Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. joins us. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good. Um, everything's great. Hellaciously exciting game. Have you been a part of something that took place in Nashville as it went down on Sunday before? Um, no, no, never. Well, I've been a part of some exciting games, but uh, an overtime finisher, uh, that is my first. Yeah, and, and yeah, to, to put the game winner in there, just all that led up to it. It was such a roller coaster, but as an end result, that really has to be nice. You look back on that and you get that road win, you get that in overtime too, and hell, it's probably a game that you're never going to see played like that before. I should say since, especially down the stretch in the fourth, because it's been a while since I've seen a game as wild as that ride was. Yeah, I mean – um, Special teams just just played absolutely great, and, and uh, they really kept us in there. Um, and we had two block punts, and one for a touchdown, other one down to the down to the the fifteen or whatever it was. I mean, like those are two like huge plays that really set us up to uh, win the game, and then really to just have a uh, chance. And then and then you have um, Alex play, which is probably the biggest play like like the whole game, um, where he just goes deep on him and uh drags them down like to the four yard line i mean i mean like that was just a huge play for us so michael pittman jr is with us are we watching alec pierce kind of evolve for the good right before our eyes here down the stretch in this regular season yeah i mean i think he's always been that guy um like it's just like just like sometimes he doesn't always like get the ball but like if like, you watch him closely like on film um, more often than not, he's open somewhere. So, um, like, it's all about him just getting the ball more and being, like, a bigger role, like, in this offense. And I think by making plays like that, I think that is how you increase your uh, role. You look at him as a teammate and a fellow wide receiver. What is the first thing to you that jumps off the page as far as his skill set is concerned? I would say the biggest thing that jumps off is, like, his, like, character Um Alec is like a very great, uh, he is a very great teammate, um, and he just wants to uh, win. And then going to his skill set, Alec is probably the fastest receiver, like, on our team. Um, He is very, I wouldn't even say sneaky fast, like, he's just fast, fast. Um, um, So whenever he goes deep, guys don't realize that he – is like a four three guy and he just runs right by him and then and then he makes big just he makes big uh plays like he did last game and um you saw more of it last year because he was just getting more opportunity and i feel like uh this year um it just hasn't been there like as much but i think after this game i think there's going to be more shots dialed for him so Michael Pittman Jr. of the Colts, they get the Bengals coming up on Sunday down in Cincinnati. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So of the years so far you've been in the NFL, I believe this is your fourth season. 
right now. Mm-hmm. Um, are you at the pinnacle of you being a team leader on this squad? Because it looks to me, and even beyond the offense, just looks like team-wise on the sideline, you're a guy that everybody looks to. Do you embrace that role, Michael? Absolutely. Um, I just try to lead by um, example and and just show everybody um, the way that I do things. And, and um, I also follow the lead of other leaders too, like guys like Buck and and um, Quentin and guys like that. So, uh, like, there's a lot to it. I mean, I mean, I'm just here to help us win. Um, and just try to do the right thing. You have grown. There's no question about that. Um, some things that we may not know because this game is emotional. And I saw, I think it was the Indianapolis Star and Nate kind of hit on this story after the game on Sunday. You've grown not only, obviously, physically with what you've accomplished so far in the NFL for the Colts, but emotionally maybe even more so. How has that evolved for you, just making sure you maintain those emotions play in and play out when you're on the field for the Colts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I haven't really noticed a huge shift. It's it's like it's more just me being confident and knowing that I'm going to get multiple touches and that if something doesn't like go my way, I just just like keep playing because it's going to find you. Um and and that's what's so great about this um offense is like I know that that um no matter what like I'm going to get those uh, those um, touches. So, yeah, Jeffrey Gorman, who's on the pregame show, the Colts pregame huddle with me, had said this on Sunday. He said we're going to get something very special um, out of the dog, and I said, okay, the dog. And he was referencing you, Michael Pittman Jr., being the dog, uh, which you are. I mean, you're tough. You battle. You fight. You play through stuff. You do all that you need to do to get to that point. Have you always been a dog? In terms of really anything, not just football, but with whatever competition you're a part of? Absolutely. Um, competition just, like, never stops. So, so like, we're just going to keep um, – like, we're like just going to keep going, like, just, like, uh, no matter what. And when, when you look at the way that game ended and it came to you and that was a game winner in overtime, was there anything said in the huddle? Did you know, obviously, that ball was coming your way? Or is that just what you expect when you come out of the huddle most of the time? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, um, I was pretty much expecting that pass because we had practiced that and we knew that they would pass it off. Um, so... So um, as soon as he passed it off, like I just knew that I better run to the back of the end zone as fast as possible. You surprise defensive backs trying to check you with your physicality? They, um, they know no, that by no. now. Are they aware of this well, by now? Well, I mean, I think they have a good idea of it, but you know, like this is the um, NFL, so I think they're going to try anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll try it, like just like at least like once a game, right? Yeah. What, what do they try? What, what's uh, the most common thing that they try to maybe get you off your game a little bit? Um. Nobody really. I mean, nobody really tries anything crazy because I don't think they want me to get like to that level. Um, like, because I'm not a big talker. Like when it comes to playing, like on the field now. 
I mean, sometimes like I can get that way, but you're a responder. Um, Are you a responder? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I. I am definitely a uh, responder in, and really, I think it's in their best interest to not get me to that level. Actually, I love that. <laughs> Does uh, but when you get there, when you get there, is it bad news for them most of the time when they push you when they push Absolutely. you into the red? <laughs> Absolutely, because then, because like. Then it goes from, hey, like I'm just trying to do what I need to win is like I'm going to win, but I'm also trying to crush you like while I'm doing it. So Michael Pittman Jr. going into the red. How much has Reggie Wayne helped you out as your position coach, Michael? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think where Reggie helps me the most is he's not afraid to call me out on on like anything i mean i mean like he's so blunt with it too like like he doesn't care you know and and like just having like guys like that who who like were like great um they have that confidence where they can coach you up like no matter what you've done or um like who you are so like it's always great like having him because he's gonna tell it straight no matter what When's the last time he was blunt with you, and what did he say? Oh, let's see. I think I think it was last Monday or Wednesday, and we were talking about the film, and I had slipped like, on a stop route, and he was just like, that's effing trash. And I'm like, yes, I know. I, I slipped. Like, <laughs> It happened. So, so like, just, like, stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, he'll just say it just, like, straight up, like, that's terrible. Like, just, like, that was the worst round I've ever seen. I'm like, all right, thanks. Thanks, Reg. I appreciate it. No, it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> Michael Pittman Jr. joins us. Some guys are built to the level where they can be coached up like that. Some guys aren't. A lot of guys aren't, in fact. Have you always been one of those guys to where if you're blunt, with you and you're being coached up to that level, especially if you have the utmost respect for the person that's telling you that, is that something you can easily take in stride, the way that you're built? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because he doesn't do it in, like, a disrespectful way. I mean, I mean, like, that's just how Reg is, and you got to know, like, you're, like, coaches. And um, I've always preferred coaches to be, like, straight up, like, I – really don't like like when they like sugarcoat things and and kind of beat around the bush like if there's like some type of problem like i would like to know about it straight up versus like oh hey like we talked about this but you really meant this no i read you gonna say it straight the first time so and and like i feel like i do well with that because one um i feel like i'm able to um dissect emotion away from football um because if you're really trying to be great i mean you can't ride the wave of like emotions like you got to be steady no matter what like no matter if you don't like whatever someone's saying i mean it doesn't mean that you gotta like love it but hey like you like can take that and like use it like as like a positive way like just like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I mean, especially when it's coming from somebody like that. 
know what I mean? That's been down that path in the same situations, has played at a high level. And see, I think I think there are a lot. Maybe I'm wrong about this, Michael, but I think there are a lot more dudes out there that want to be coached hard than want to be ultimately coddled because that is the way for a lot of dudes to get to where they want to be, to reach that potential, is to be coached hard, to be told that you're wrong about something and not to come into this thing entitled. Absolutely. And and it and it helps to keep you like humble like when a guy like that <laughs> is um uh, coaching you. So um I think that it's great and um and that's just like his like style and, and like you're right, like for some players, I mean, it might not work for some players like who don't have enough confidence to like deal with that type of stuff. But I think everybody in our room, um, like I think we all respond well to his challenges that he gives us daily. And then like he's always like like just like he coaches us up like in other ways too like of course like that's just one way that i highlight like his like realness and how he demands excellence um every single day he came on my show once upon a time when he was a player and uh sang blame it by jamie fox he'll never remember that and if he did remember it he would not own it but he did once upon a time, and it was one of the more brilliant moments ever in the history of this show. Blame it by Jamie Foxx. He'll never own it, but he did it. There's no doubt, and there's, we've, we've got tape to show it back in the day. It was awesome. He's just he's an awesome dude. I mean, he, he, can, he can reach you, I think. And you're just talking about somebody like yourself, Michael, that wants to be coached and coached hard. But I'm assuming he can reach most any level as a coach. And I think you and your group of wide receivers are kind of seeing that blossom, especially this, this season, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, uh, he is in his second year uh, coaching, so he's no longer – a um, rookie coach. So, I mean, like, I've seen, like, his game change, too, and, and like, he's still, like, learning, and, and, um, and, like, I think that he gets better, like, every single day. So, Michael Pittman Jr. is with us. Is Shane Steichen sort of the same way as a coach? I mean, really no fluff, just kind of at it, consequences, responsibilities for your actions, all of that. Is that how he coaches you guys up, too? Absolutely. So I think it was like a like a, a good example of this is in uh, training camp. I forgot to weigh in. And I got fined the first time. I was like, "Dang, like, he's serious!" And then I forgot the second time, and I got fined again. And like this got doubled. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, like he means business. So um, so he really set that like standard and and like. And just like, obviously, nobody likes getting fined, but I think it set a good standard that it's equal for every player, not just some players. So other guys looked at that and like, oh, like just like he fined fit, like just like I better be like doing everything right, or else like I'm gonna get the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, like, I think that it was great, like, even though I don't like paying that fine, but I think that it was good for, like, everybody to see that he's not picking and choosing, that he's treating everybody the same. How much was the fine or the double fine in this case? The first one, I think, was 
It was more than double. Like I think the first one was like five hundred. The second one was like two thousand or something like that. Wow, he said he made an example of you. Well, yeah, you're right. Everybody else says I got to get in there now too. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I did training camp for free this year. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Pittman Jr. with us. Hey, did you get fined for throwing the football into the stands, or will Um, you? I haven't got that letter yet, but I have a strong feeling that I am going to get fined. And I thought the fine was less than it was, so now, like, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, dang, like, $7,400, like, maybe I just would have, like, held on to it. You know <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, so. just, you scored a game winner in overtime to keep the win streak going. And, I mean, it, you, a lot of good things are happening right now. So, I mean, is that just a moment where you go, yeah, you know what, I'll go ahead and take it. But I, I dig it because you're a guy, you're keeping track of your funds right there. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Good for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, I definitely was knowing that I was going to get fined, and I was like, I don't care, I'm throwing it anyway, thinking that it was a little less like than what it actually is. But, uh, I mean, I still would do it again, so I guess it's not that bad. He is Michael Pittman Jr. with us. Is there any aspect of being 7-5 and five and right now uh, among those teams in the AFC playoff picture in the 7-hole? Any of this surprise you whatsoever? And, again, given the circumstances uh, of this season and, you know, the pitfall, the roller coaster, whatever. Any of this surprise you to this point, Michael? No, I mean, I mean, I mean. Obviously, things could have went better, but um, football is football, and um, you can't really plan things out because you don't know like what's going to happen. I mean, there's so many factors, but uh, I think we're right in the, you know, like we're right like in the um, heat of it and um i think that we're looking good and if we keep winning football games uh we're just going to keep jumping up and up and up and uh that's really the only thing that we can focus on you know what i really love about it too because i I know that some made of you know extension and you know contractually and all this stuff before you started the season and this is something that you just don't think about. You just go out there and play and let everything take care of itself. Uh, I, uh, not a lot of players can do that. You're somebody that can compartmentalize that aspect where it's, I think, different for a lot of other players who may have that thing riding on their mind. But that's not something you're thinking about at all, is it? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I just kind of let that pressure just kind of fall off. And, um, like, I don't really think about it too much. But now that you mention it, I'm like, oh, like I better play, you know, like just like I like better, like play well or else I'm going to be jobless in a couple months. Like you end up saying I'm going to be looking for a job. So um, like I want a four year deal, close out my uh, fourth year. And, uh, and like, I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is that I'm here until like until I'm not so um we will see we will see like what the future holds but I'm not too uh, worried about it I think if I keep playing the way I'm playing I think it's going to take care of itself and uh and the good things are going to happen Michael I'm here to proclaim you are good so I think you're you're good <laughs> but I guess I shouldn't have brought it up that. I was just trying to make a point that you, you don't let anything bug you other than going out there and focused. And that's that's a growth. That, that's an evolution. That's a maturity that not a lot of guys end up finding, but the successful ones do. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's no 
use and sweating that like pressure because like I mean like you can't really like you can't really do like anything with it and uh, honestly I think that it's like a um, good thing because I wanted to be in like I wanted to be like in like this like spot and um, I'm exactly where like I wanted to be um, of course things can always be better I'm, um, like I don't think I'll ever be a uh, finished product like I'm gonna try to keep getting better like every single year and um, just see where that takes me in uh, my career oh well that's that's right here or or I'll riot so uh, I don't know if that'll do any good I'm assuming that it will but it better be right here because you have certainly shown exactly who you are and what you mean to this organization and as we talked about a little bit earlier man we we need to see more dogs like you and that focus that single-minded focus on the task at hand man that is very enjoyable to watch now what am I interrupting you from doing today I apologize for that thank you for coming on but in closing here what what are you doing today that maybe you normally don't get a chance to do anything at all uh well right now i'm driving home um empty-handed here Uh oh because i went duck hunting uh this morning and it was the the duck opener of the southern zone in indiana on saturday so i waited until the day off came in on monday handled everything i had to handle so i could have this morning off and uh, we see lots of ducks today. We saw a lot of ducks, and they just wanted to be over with the swans because there's this group of swans yeah. that live on this lake, and they never leave. And every single duck, I mean, I mean, they would circle us and just go right to them. I mean, it was the most frustrating thing. And um, yeah, so uh, are you, are you hold up? Did, are you hold up in a blind? Are you in a blind out there? in the field right no so we actually just came from um waffle house but we are <laughs> but we're headed back because we finished up around 11 30 because we weren't getting ducks to work our spread uh we just didn't have an advantageous setup oh. it was just the water's low the lily pads are high and dry and and you know like it just nothing was working for us so we tried our uh hardest i actually blew out my um my um goose call so <laughs> like my goose call blew out like just like the reed just came right out of the, yeah. the call which like which i didn't know could even happen and i was like you know what that's a sign like let's just get on the road back home so you you can't can you not do one manually by yourself a goose? Oh, no. Uh, no. no no not at all I mean, no, probably not. I, are there not those like boxes that you use and you rub them back and forth and kind of imitates a duck sound too? Or those? Am I just making stuff up here? I think that's a turkey call, but uh, I do have a box turkey call as well. I, I got you. Now, where were you? You may not want to tell us exactly where you were, but where Southern Indiana, Central Indiana, where were you for yes. this? So I was in Southern Indiana. Um, Indiana's not known to be a waterfowl hotspot, but but you know we got our fair share of uh, ducks. Uh, but I've been looking for farms because obviously I like I like to I like to hunt and hunt and I like to do stuff like that. Like I've been looking at stuff over in um, Missouri. Uh, because there's a lot of good farms it's right on the uh, flyway and they got some great deer out there so so that'd be great 
Or maybe I, like Illinois. Yeah, I have. Oh, speaking. Yes. Speaking of birds, like I just seen a field full of sandhill cranes, but we have no crane season here in uh, Indiana, tragically. <laughs> but they're actually called the ribeye of the sky, and they're supposed to taste great. But I've never had one because there's no season here in Indiana. <laughs> but I would love to try one. Oh my God, that's awesome! Hey, by the way, I. Uh, I have 40 acres of property in southwestern Indiana um, of uh, in Greene County, actually a little southwest of Bloomington, off of I-69 down there. My mom still lives on those 40 acres, and it's all all woods, and uh, it is a, a hunting mecca down there. I'm just not a big hunter, but everybody else around me where my mom lives is, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I think it's I mean, I think it's great. I mean, like, I think it's a chance to go, like, enjoy um, creation and being outdoors. And, and um, like, I just find when I'm outdoors, that's when I'm the most, like, relaxed and calm. And you're focused at, like, the task. And uh, um, you can get so in it that, like, you don't really think about anything else. And, and uh, that's me with hunting and uh, fishing and then just being outside, you know. I just, like, I love to be outside. You take any teammates with you before? Um, I have before. So Desmond Patman, when he was on the team, I took him a lot. Um, Ethan Fernia, I've uh, taken him a lot. Some of the coaches have hunted in my backyard um one of my coaches who will remain nameless actually missed a 10 point buck at 20 yards shot right over his back with a crossbow which is like double bad like you use a crossbow and miss like i switch it double bad but i'm not going to expose him because i don't want to do him like that but i was but i was just in shock like i couldn't believe so it. He, he wouldn't be happy if you exposed him on this show right now be unhappy because he's not a no. good shot yeah I got you. Yeah, yeah, no, like I just can't do it, Tom. <laughs> Man, you're always an awesome conversation. Absolutely enjoy it. Congratulations on the fantastic season so far and uh, continued success. And uh, we shall do this again, too. If you need any, if you ever need any, especially in southern Indiana, you can tell Connie this and he can get a hold of me. If you ever need, because uh, two, 250 is what my, uh, my wife's mom owns down in Owen County. I've got I've got properties everywhere here. So if you ever need some place you want to try out again in southwestern Indiana, you let me know. You know, I think now that now that you offer that, yes. I think we might have to take you up on Seriously, that. Seriously, man. Know? Seriously. You tell Conti and Conti can get a hold of me and uh I'm assuming we can pretty easily get you set up. So you let me know. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you have a great rest of your day off, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Best of luck in Cincinnati Sunday. You too. Thank you so much. So, Michael Pittman Jr. on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. That was awesome. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I know you guys are waiting on hold, too. We'll get back to you guys in a second. But from PFF, Brad Spielberger joins us. Hey, Brad, I got Michael Pittman Jr. calling in here in the 5 o'clock hour. What's been your, and by the numbers, the PFF impression on Michael Pittman Jr. thus far this season? Yeah, it's a tough act to uh, to, to prepare for, you know, to to set up with him coming on. So I'm uh, hopefully a decent opener for Michael Pittman. But, you are uh, setting you are setting the stage for Michael Pittman Jr. right here. You're the opening act. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I mean it's pretty remarkable what he's done. Uh, you look at the last since week eight, which includes a cold bye. Pittman is the third most catches in the NFL. You know, stacking up against a bunch of players that that played in every week over that span and. I think the big thing you're seeing from him now is, you know, we know he's one of the best possession receivers in the NFL, can create separation, get open, or even just have those contested catches, make plays over defenders. But now you're seeing some more explosives. He's had more missed tackles forced over the last six weeks in the first half of the season. Obviously, the key touchdown to win the game in overtime. You know, it's not just moving the ball down the field now. He's also giving you those chunk plays, those game-defining, game-winning moments. He's been exceptional. Yeah, you know, it's too, he's not obviously known as somebody that's got a great deal of speed, but he does fight you. He fights you and brings a level of physicality that oftentimes you kind of wonder. He he just outbattles guys. It's not like some of these guys defensively, Brad, are in position. He'll just battle you for that football and more times than not will win it. 100%. Right. No. And that is the thing is you're going to have that big frame, 6'4, 225 pound type frame. But I think the key is you also might think, okay, is he only a contested catch guy? Is he going to struggle to create separation? You know, kind of like a Devontae Parker type or whatever name you want to throw in there. And he has to win so many of those 50 50 balls. You know, the old adage, oh, they're 80 20 when they're thrown my way, whatever. That's a tough way to live, especially in today's NFL. And, and I don't think he's that. Look, he's not, you know, the shiftiest, greatest separator in the world. And like you say, he's not the fastest guy in the world. But I think he is a good route runner. He's a very good release package at the line. So even against press, he's able to create separation, maybe, maybe lower his shoulder into a defensive back and push that guy off of him on his route stem. But also, I think he's in breaking off routes crisper. I think you see fewer wasted steps and wasted movement from him on comebackers and, and out routes and things like that. Like, he's always been good. I think the nuance and some of the, the details in his route running, at least personally, I've seen taken to another level uh, this season. To Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus every Tuesday right here in the 4 o'clock hour to give you the numbers you need to know. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, we mentioned the 11 catches and over 100 yards receiving with that game-winning touchdown. But also we're starting to see Alec Pierce work a little bit. I mean, three receptions uh, and, and I think six overall targets, 100 yards. He had a touchdown. Is it just as simple as – all right, Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, is now starting to get the ball in his general vicinity. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's honestly more of the latter. Not, not to take away from anything Gardner Minshew's done, but we probably talked about it. I was super, super excited for the combination of an Anthony Richardson and an Alec Pierce because of, you know, obviously Richardson flick of the wrist can throw the ball 70 yards downfield, and that is Pierce. He's not a separator, probably the, one of the bottom of the guys in the NFL for us in terms of separation per route. However, he has good straight line speed, and he can make those acrobatic 
go up and get it type snags down the field that I, I thought we were going to see a ton of as Richardson got more and more comfortable. So now maybe Gardner Minshew has that built comfort, that built chemistry and trust with Pierce to say, you know what? I don't maybe see him as super open, but I trust that if I throw it up, Pierce is going to be the one to come down with it and make that play. And you saw that pay off in this game. I hope he continues to do so because that is his skill set. Going back to Cincinnati, he wins in that way. I think he's going to continue to do so. And if you're, you know, in a battle in a game like this, trailing for most of the game, and you need that splash play to get you a massive 50 yard gain or a touchdown. Pierce is that guy, and it was great to see Minshew trust that. All right. Well, speaking of Gardner Minshew, Brad, the 26-42, 3-12, no interceptions, which is a, a big highlighted column right there, and, and two TDs. How has he looked up until this point? Because I, I, I talked about this yesterday as being um, akin to a roller coaster ride with this team this season and with its backup quarterback in for Anthony Richardson um, because he's out obviously with that, that injury. Has it been a roller coaster ride? And what do the numbers dictate as far as where we are with Gardner Minshew as the starting quarterback with the Colts to this point? Yeah, it has absolutely been a roller coaster ride. I think you just watch him on a week to week basis. You know, there still are issues with footwork and, you know, happy feet a little bit in the pocket or, you know, bailing from some clean pockets at times or just not having his feet set because he's kind of chopping too much and, and kind of bouncing around a little bit, which probably does maybe help him avoid some sacks and things of that nature. But I think maybe windows open up, and because his shoulders are not square to the target and his feet are not set, maybe he's a half-step late, and it causes some issues. But I think it was great to see what we saw in this game, which was, you know, like I said, it's a negative game script. The team knows you're going to throw the ball because you're down for much of the afternoon. You don't have a Jonathan Taylor to lean on. Obviously, we've talked about Zach Moss, a good football player, but, you know, Taylor's going to get you in a lot of second and short and third and short situations. The defense is also probably going to play you with more heavy personnel packages, maybe load the box more because of the threat of Jonathan Taylor. All that goes away, and you still have to produce in the fourth quarter in overtime. I thought it was one of the best games he's played this season, maybe the best, and yeah, the numbers they do show he, he still isn't, you know, he, he is putting the ball in harm's way a decent amount, you know, and maybe even if the interceptions aren't there, taking some stacks where the ball security is not great or throwing some drop interceptions, things of that nature. I think that came way down this week against the Titans. I think he was, while throwing downfield, also more protective of the ball. A great combination for this game. To Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus every Tuesday in the 4 o'clock hour right here going over the numbers of Week 13 in particular with the Colts in that Titans game. And he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I do want to move on. Somebody had asked me this a little bit earlier. Asked, last night, actually, I got asked this a number of times. I, I felt, at least to where we are positionally speaking, and Jacksonville having two wins against the Colts this season in that sweep, that would have been better off for the Bengals to lose last night because that probably would have taken energy and a little bit of wind out of their sails for that matchup with the Colts and the Bengals coming up Sunday down in Cincinnati. And and now you see the emergence of Jake Browning for 354 and a touchdown. Uh, You see an offense that looked pretty good yesterday against the uh, Jacksonville defense last night in Jacksonville. What, what do you make of that? Would that have been better off for the Colts and its fans had you know, Jacksonville won it or as it stands Jacksonville losing it in terms of position as far as the AFC playoff picture is concerned? 
Yeah, I actually agree with you 100% there, right? Where the Bengals now believe they could sneak into the wild card. I think, honestly, the way the Colts' defense is constructed is actually very, very similar to Jacksonville to a degree where it's a a, a good run defense that has been susceptible in coverage all season long. They do have some talented players like a Tyson Campbell, even as talented as he is, should not be left on an island with Jamar Chase with no safety help over the top. Uh, which is how the first touchdown happened. But, I mean, that was uh, that was a pathetic performance from that defense. Like, not to take away from Jake Browning, but 170-plus um, yards, uh, throwing 10-plus yards downfield, um, you know, it was spreading the football around, was attacking you, and really, you know, 32 of 37, 85% completion percentage, um, they, they got – very little pressure. The second lowest pressure rate the Bengals have faced the entire season behind only the Arizona Cardinals, you know, who obviously don't really rush anyone. Um, I, I agree with you. I think the other, the other outcome may have been more beneficial because I'll tell you, there's belief now in that locker room in Jake Browning and, hey, we can sneak into the wild card. Yeah, we're not going to the Super Bowl, but let's have some fun, build on, you know, this good team that's made the AFC Championship game two years in a row. Um, yeah, I see it the same way as you. I you just look at it, what they did offensively. You know, on the ground with you know a five yard average of one fifty six, and then obviously what Browning did through the air, I, that looks more formidable. And and now you've got a a legitimate reason for them to come out and really try to give it to the Colts on Sunday. Whereas you kind of want to know where they would be in terms of deflation had that game not gone their way last night. No, exactly. Right, right. And you maybe also look at some players that are, you know, fighting through injuries. A guy like a T. Higgins, some of the guys on defense, Cam Taylor Britt did not play last night. And I still do think, you know, every player is proud, wants to play, has reasons to play, whether or not their starting quarterback's healthy or where they are in the playoff picture. But of course, they're human, just like everybody else. And if they were five and seven and seven instead of six and six, and their backup quarterback, you know, played poorly and threw a bunch of picks and didn't have a lot of production. It's very different than a guy, you know, going for 350, getting Jamar Chase involved, that massive key third down conversion to T. Higgins in, on, on their final drive. Yeah, he didn't have a big game, but made, you know, one of the biggest catches of the entire night. Like, yeah, Joe Mixon, like you said, Joe Mixon ran hard, ran well. The rookie Chase Brown ran really well, I thought, too. Probably his best game as a pro. Like, yeah, this is this is a proud team that is that has high pedigree, that is very competitive, believes in themselves. They are riding high coming into this matchup, no question about it. Brad, where are you in terms of the numbers and the percentage of the Colts being able to cash in and make the postseason? I know it's according to ESPN, I think it's around fifty six. Where do you guys have it slotted? Yeah, let me pull it up for you. I mean, the biggest thing for them is that I know we have them with a, one of the five easiest remaining schedules in the NFL. So right. obviously it's going to play into it, you know, in, in a massive way where just because of who you're playing, um, you know, it's going to be easier. So we have them at 60% to make the playoffs now. Um, I would imagine that that is in part because of an update from last night to where we don't, we're not going to say Trevor Lawrence is out. You know, he's still listed as the starter right now. But if Lawrence misses time, you know, it, it not only increases the wild card odds we're talking about, but, I mean, the, the door, the window to open the, the division is, is there, too, you know, if Lawrence has to miss a couple games. Yeah, and, and then you get – when you think about Cincinnati, and I, I think that's going to be a, a tougher close now for the Colts than even it was going to be. It's not going to be easy. Nothing's going to be easy with the Colts. Don't get me wrong about that whatsoever. So Sunday's going to be tough. And then you come back on that Saturday at home against the Steelers, and uh, there's going to be no Kenny Pickett there. 
Um, and then you look around, the Browns going with Joe Flacco under center. There's just a lot involved that looks really good. And then in terms of if it comes down to the Texans and the Colts, you already have one win, and then you get the Texans at the end of the season, and you add in a couple of more teams, I believe the Falcons and the Raiders. I mean, that schedule, as you mentioned, it is doable for this Colts team, even if this Colts team has been up and down like a roller coaster most of the season. Yeah, I know. It's entirely doable. And I think for a lot of those matchups you just mentioned, so specifically if looking at like Cleveland or in Atlanta, yeah. the, return of Grover, the return of Grover Stewart now is massive, right? I mean, teams that are among the best at running the football in the entire NFL, if you can stop that from that offense and force those quarterbacks, a Joe Flacco and a Desmond Ritter, you know, to be sitting there in second and long and third and long, you know, uh, we had Quiddy Pay at his highest pass rush rate of his career uh, this past Sunday with four pressures, two sacks, and a high pass rush win rate. Like, you're going to be able to win some of those swing games. You know, again, sitting Cleveland's also, you know, a wild card team in their own right right now. So, yeah, it lines up very favorably. Houston also does have a, a pretty soft schedule to close things out, too. Um, not as easy as the Colts, but certainly in the conversation. But, yeah, I mean, th- things are lining up nicely for Indy. You know, it's funny. They, they lost their quarterback a, a long time ago. Everyone else in their schedule kind of losing their quarterback yeah. now. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the, the window is wide open, and, and credit to Shane Steichen. I haven't said it enough. I mean, he should be – if they do make the playoffs, especially to win the division, I mean, he, he's got my vote for coach of the year. What do you think he ranks up there right now uh, among those getting – and I know conversationally he's going to come up every time, but in your, your position, where would you rank him right now in terms of that conversation? Yeah, so I think he still would probably go to, like, the true contenders. Like, I think a Mike McDaniel is probably at the top of a lot of those lists. I think a Dan Campbell in Detroit is probably at the top of a lot of those lists. Guys that look like they're going to win their division. And teams that we probably view as, you know, a, a legitimate threat to win the Super Bowl. I know Miami and Detroit maybe aren't in that, you know, upper echelon San Fran conversation. But I think both of those teams are probably top six um, in current odds to win the Super Bowl. So, Maybe those guys are ahead of him. I, I don't see another name personally, you know, that would be up there. Maybe a, you know, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, if they rattle off a bunch of wins and, and win 10-plus games, which I think they can given their schedule. Um, but the only thing I wonder is, is there some trepidation from, from the voters to giving it to a first-year head coach after the Brian Dable situation from last year uh, and then flash forward to this year? Is it a bunch of that? I, I don't know if they're going to react to that or if they care on a year-to-year basis, but – you know, that is the only reason for me why Shane Steck and I would give it to him. Um, but I, I'm not going to, you know, crown him a top five head coach yet because you got to see, can you replicate it? But but everything that I've seen from him ha- has been phenomenal. Are we crowning the Niners the top of the NFL through 13 weeks? Because they, they once were there and then they had, what, a three-game losing streak, I think. Went into a bye week, came back, and then reestablished themselves. Are they back atop the NFL as it stands right now, at, right now after 13 weeks? Yep, in my eyes, it's uh, fairly comfortably, yes. You know, obviously things can always change. And, and, you know, we saw the three-game losing streak. You don't have a Trent Williams. You don't have a Debo Samuel. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the entire complexion of that team changes. And, of course, that can always happen again. And maybe you could argue they have, some, they have more fragility, you know, if they lose a couple of guys, particularly Trent Williams, who I think is, you know, by far their best offensive lineman. But, anyway, yes, I do. I have more question marks in their conference. I still have more question marks about Philadelphia and Dallas. And then in the AFC, I think Miami might be the best team right now, and I still struggle to see them. You know, if they play a physical press man coverage team like Kansas City, like some of the teams they've lost to, um, you know, can they overcome that? 
because rhythm and timing and everything they do pre-snap is so important to what they do. And if you can disrupt that and jam their receivers and all that, like I'm not saying that they're a fluke or that they're, you know, some like, you know, manufactured offense, they're a good team. But I, again, can, I can just poke more holes in every other team than I can the San Francisco 49ers. To Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus with us. Before I let you go, Brock Purdy, is he at the top of your list for MVP right now? 23 TDs, I think only six interceptions, 3,100-plus yards this season. Where is he ranking as far as MVP? No, for me, he's not. He's probably not even in the top five. And I'm not a Brock Purdy hater or, you know, I don't think he's like a bad quarterback or a complete system quarterback. I do think there are moments where he is elevating this offense um, you know, he is driving a Ferrari, though. He probably has the best play caller in the NFL. He has the best weaponry in the NFL. Uh, there's no question about that. So he's been good, but I would have Dak Prescott ahead of him. Um, frankly, I would then turn to a Tyreek Hill, you know, as a non-quarterback. I think should probably be in that conversation as well. Uh, you know, so maybe he's top five. I, you know, he's in that, but no, for me, he's not the leader. I just think if you watch him on a, on a week-to-week basis, watch the film – you know, he just has the best supporting cast in the NFL. I, he might win it. Um, I, I don't know if I would say he's deserving. I'm not going to, you know, be up in arms if he does. I just think there are other players that are elevating their team more than he is. It's, uh, Brad Spielberger, what are you writing about at PFF? Yep, so I just put out uh, the, the 11 pending free agents that have raised their stock the most this season. Uh, and a ton of free agency coming forward. Uh, uh, kind of a new look on how we're going to do it. Some more comparisons to former players. Kind of provide some context and some you know different ways to look at free agency. But I know it's a little bit early. I know the Colts are contending. So, you know, Colts fans are still focused on 2023. But, but we're going to hit the ground running on free agency uh, these next couple months. Yeah, you know, this is just – it's something that this fan base needs, this playoff push right now in December. And it's something that most thought would not occur. And you're doing it without Anthony Richardson, which is an incredible bummer. Don't get me wrong. But also interesting because this is like a one-off situation here. And it's like – I hate to say it. It's like gravy, as they say. I mean, you just – nobody expected it. It's right here. So why not do it even though you know that your future is not the quarterback that's doing the work for you right now? It's pretty amazing the way everything's broken down here. It really is. It really is. And I, and I don't think it's fluky, and I don't think there are a lot of elements to it that aren't replicable. Mm-hmm. And even with the change of quarterback, I really, really do believe – that Shane Steichen has shown a ton of good, and I, w- I would have a ton of confidence going forward in this organization, uh, in this coaching staff, and this team. So, yeah, I hear you. It is a bit of a one-off, a bit of a, you know, you're not going to like, you know, not every element of it are you say, oh, we're going to carry forward to 2024. But, you know, you know very well, like winning games, getting playoff experience for a very young roster, all of those things, it, it does matter. I agree. Hey, Brad, it's always a pleasure every Tuesday right here. We'll do it next week. Sounds great. Thank you. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from Pacers Television, Jeremiah Johnson joins us. Are you on the road? 
Uh, I'm on the road in Hamilton County, not in Las Vegas. I, I wondered, because you guys are not doing this semifinal Thursday, are you? That is correct. Well, that uh, super TV. sucks right there. I, I know. It was national television last night, but it was not exclusive, so we were allowed to do the game side-by-side. Side. And for those that tuned in and watched, we greatly appreciate it. And this weekend, Thursday and Saturday games will be national exclusive. So uh, Eddie Gill's there. Yep. So you can maybe catch up with him later in the week as he does have the radio call with Mark Foyle. But uh, Chris and I and Quinn will be uh, will be stuck back here, but that's okay. Chris has probably locked himself in a room. <laughs> that's a bummer. I know how much you guys love doing it, though, and especially taking advantage of moments like last night and then, you know, getting that, that standalone type of game in front of, you know, the entirety of an NBA national audience. I love you guys and you know that, but I just thought last night was worth it in so many different angles for this team. It was great for the franchise, and you know how much work has gone into not just this season, but go back to when that trade was made, and I think everything had sort of been building for a moment and an opportunity like that. And it's a unique opportunity because so often in the NBA you think of a playoff series, and I go back to thinking, you know, the last game that felt like that was was game three of that series against the Cavs when Boyan couldn't miss from outside the arc. And that was nice, but it advanced you. It got you a win in the series, but then ultimately you lost the series. So rare to have a knockout round situation, a winner go home. This kind of felt like an Elite Eight game. Maybe those years I was covering the Butler Bulldogs where you'd win the Elite Eight to get to go to the Final Four, and you have that joy for a couple of days, listening to what people around the country are saying about the story and the team. I kind of feel like that today after watching and, and covering that game last night and then getting a chance to, to see what other people saw, what we've seen really for all season. So Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV with us. You know what else we saw last night that we haven't seen all season? I have said this all along, and I thought that I could dispute that last night, that this team didn't have an answer defensively into what they're looking for, into a great deal of help. And then last night occurred against a team that can put some points on the board. Obviously, with Brown and Tatum, they both went for 30-plus. But the the 112 and getting late stops, that's something that defensively has been a rarity if we've seen it at all this season. So that gives me a little bit of hope that some of the defensive prowess and raising of that side of the game can happen within that team. You agree? Absolutely. If you're in a struggle mode defensively in January or February, you could put the film in from times in this game against Boston and say, see what you did against the Celtics. I don't know if the techniques or the schemes necessarily change. I do think they made some adjustments before the game and then again at halftime. And you saw some individual defenders really just make life difficult on the Celtics. In the last segment, I heard you praising Aaron Neesmith. He deserves Loved a it. lot of credit. Yep. But uh, even a guy that you don't think of defensively, like Buddy Heald, I thought he was really fighting. And while he's not going to stop his defender in a one-on-one situation every time, um, the fact that the Pacers forced 20 turnovers, that can make up for a little bit of, you know, sometimes maybe somebody gets to the basket. But if you get 20 turnovers, uh, you're playing pretty good defense, especially against an experienced group like the Celtics. So this is something to build on. And it's uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He smiled three or four times in that postgame press conference when Dustin DePere 
brought up the defense that was better. He'd been waiting all season to hear that, and he heard it, and he felt good about it. You know, Halliburton has been such a leader through all this, too. And I, I had a couple of rip jobs last week after the Portland game and then on Friday after the Miami game where I was incredibly disappointed because, frankly, I just have higher expectations. And I may have higher expectations than others, especially to the level of which I thought they played in those two games. And I loved what Halliburton had to say about it. He says, you know what? I want to win right now because I'm sick and tired of losing. And we all have fallen into so many different times of hearing people talk about, you know, draft capital or, you know, you know, monetary leverage in terms of the draft and building for the future. And I'll be damned, JJ, there's nothing wrong with building for the future while growing and winning in the now. And that's what we saw last night. And I want to see more of that. I thought of you on the post game show because I know you're not a, a moral victories kind of oh, guy. And you, you've been you've been preaching that you can learn and grow while winning, and that's exactly what I thought. That you know, it is true. No matter what happened last night, that would have been a great experience. But there's there's nothing wrong with having great experience be successful experiences at the same time because I think it's easier once you win, you learn how to win, and if you lose a lot, you sometimes learn how to lose. And so I think that you make a good point. I know you've been repeating it. Um, to the point about Tyrese Halliburton's comments after some of the losses, uh, I appreciated them. But then I started to think, man, he's been kind of hard on himself because it's been 82-game season. And even the best teams lose 20 or, you know, 25 times in a season. But it was the way they lost to the teams they lost that he found unacceptable. And you do appreciate hearing that. You don't want someone losing uh, to – the Portland Trailblazers, or uh, they beat the Pistons, they lost to the Raptors, the Bulls, the Hornets. You don't want a, your leader to be okay with that happening. And so he, he took responsibility. He said this isn't, this isn't acceptable. And even after that loss, that first game in Miami, a lot of the comments went viral about I'm tired of losing. Uh, you know, it, it could get pulled out of context a little bit, but that shows – He's not thinking about being good in three years. He wants to be good right now, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No, completely agree with that. And I, I just thought last night that that third and fourth quarter kind of spoke to exactly what I've been talking about. And I know that they're not going to win every game like that against elite-level talent in the NBA. That's not my expectation. But my expectation is not to stumble four different times at home against teams that I think you should roll up. And that was the unfortunate part last night. Last night made up, I felt, for a little bit of that disappointment I had leading into the game. It did. I mean, it does feel like 19 games in, this has been uh, some high highs and some low lows, and you don't expect to be quite the roller coaster in any season. But to be able to have those high highs is very beneficial, and I think it does give you hope for this season, the things that you've been talking about. And so um, you'd like to say, okay, you learn from some of the experiences the next time you get a lesser opponent, a team that's 13th, 14th in their respective conference. Next time you get them at home, you put them away and you don't have a loss, and we'll see what happens in those situations. But just the fact that in 19 games you can say you've already uh, beaten the Bucks, beaten the Celtics, gone on the road, won at Miami without Tyrese Halliburton, those are just three examples, and we could probably go on and say these are things you hope to have maybe one of at the end of the season, and you're at the quarter pole, not even that of this season and you're going to get another opportunity to have one of those experiences coming up on Thursday against either the Bucks or the Knicks. And so um, the record, 
where, yeah, it's easy to say now if you're that you should have one or two more wins. But no matter what happens this first 20 games, this team has grown a lot from the beginning of the season. And if they can just continue to, to get the experience and to continue to grow, you like where they might be at the middle of the season. It's uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What would you compare being in, in Gamebridge Fieldhouse in the past to last night as far as the uh, energy and how loud that it was? Well, walking in and just feeling sort of the murmurs and the music and seeing the, the towels, it took you back to some of those those playoff games when the team was making runs to the conference finals. I mean, I have vivid memories of that team and that atmosphere and that buzz that you felt from the opening tip, and it was very similar. Now, some of those fourth-quarter moments, sometimes we can be a prisoner of the moment and we can forget about some of the moments in the last two years because there have been some really good moments. And I mentioned that that Boyan Bogdanovich game, and, and we don't like the way that the Victor Oladipo – era ended but there were some moments that were pretty special you can't deny that the game-winning shot i think against the celtics had one against the spurs even his first game back that was pretty special and so gambridge fieldhouse has had its moments in a big game it is it rivals anyone in the nba and i've listened to a little bit of nba radio today and even heard some last night after the game People know in the playoffs that this is a place that is very tough to win. In the regular season the last few years, it's not been as intimidating, I think, for opponents. But if we can have, if we can see more experiences in environments like we saw last night, it's going to be tough and no one's going to want to come play here. And so, um, but right off the top of my head, that, that, that game three against LeBron and the Cavs stands out as a similar type of experience. And then I guess I'll go back to some of those uh, those games in, in the 13, 12, 13, 13, 14 season yeah. uh, where it was every bit as similar because it wasn't – even if you lose a game in those playoffs, you get another chance most of the time unless it is in an elimination game. That was to go to Vegas, and while no one knows what that's going to be like, everyone's bought in, and everyone wanted to be a part of that experience in that semifinals, and the Pacers were able to get there. Hey. JJ, is there any concern that you go from just an off the hook environment Monday to an incredibly sterile environment, you know, in in, a, in an afternoon, a midday in Vegas on Thursday? If you're the Pacers, I trust the NBA to make sure that it's not a sterile environment. But I honestly have no idea what to expect, and it'll probably be really good to talk with Eddie Gill later in the week to uh, even leading up to it or after the fact to, to get a feel of what it was like because. When you hear Vegas NBA basketball, you think summer league, and that's not that's not the environment that we had yeah. last night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And so I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm guessing they're going to figure out a way to make it feel cool. It, there are going to be a lot of fans there. I know they're continuing. Even right now, I got an email about selling some ticket packages. So we'll see what happens in terms of that. But as long as there are a lot of people there, they're going to be able to make it feel big and i'm interested to see how it looks but uh, i don't know that anything that happens thursday or saturday could top what we saw last night and that's that's across the board that's people in california and florida people on the internet i mean they could feel it they could feel the energy coming through their television sets and that you can't fake that yeah, I, and you know, I, I know Sacramento had a good crowd last night, and then the Pelicans went in there and beat them by ten. I just, w- when you look at the remaining games, I, I, who in the world is going to have a crowd in, in one of these matchups like what we witnessed last night? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say the Lakers-Suns game will be pretty uh, high level of anticipation. That's the kind of matchup. Isn't that a big yawner, though, for both of those teams, right? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put any of the games above what we saw last night because as I've just mentioned, it was one of the best environments I've been in in, in my time, and I can't imagine one being better. Um, but I yeah. also think that there are going to be some others that that try to try to at least come close. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, uh, any preference here with the Knicks and the Bucks? I. I'm I'm for Knicks. I I just want to get that rivalry going again. There's already a little bit of bad blood. I remember growing up, always looking forward to those. And I even had a little Pacers Knicks flashback last night. It was a four point play that went the Pacers way. How about that? So let's, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see uh, Pacers and Knicks on Thursday. That's that's what I'm shooting for. And we'll see if Wally Zerbiak has anything to say. Let's get that rivalry going again. There was nothing wrong with that. Heck, they made an ESPN documentary about the rivalry. So uh, that's what I'm shooting for. You already have to play the Bucks in Milwaukee next week. So just personally, you already have a win against them. I'm not, I'm not super excited to play them five times in one season if you don't have to. So I guess I'm a Knicks fan tonight. I, um, I would rather not have to see Miles try to check and get worked by Giannis too much, to be honest with you. That's, that's my personal preference. I mean, I know they'll throw a lot of guys at him, I guess, but, uh, yeah, I'd rather not see that. I saw enough Giannis shooting free throws the last time he was oh, in man. Indianapolis that I don't want to see that either. I'm going to tell you, the parade to the free throw line that is Jimmy Butler in two games <laughs> in Miami. Holy crap. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I – how many how many of those are actually fouls? I mean, nothing. Nothing there. What, what I will say about him and the Heat is you're so scared to not foul him, but yet you can't even touch him because if he, if he gets a hand on you, the reaction is such that he's going to get a foul called. So then they are getting, you know, two feet of space when they shoot it every time. And so that's what made Saturday's game so impressive is that he was at the top of this game. The Pacers yeah. were able to dial back some of the fouls you'll never see probably as many as you saw on uh, what's it Thursday night but uh it was a really good bounce back and I think you almost had to have that Saturday to give you that bit of momentum that you needed coming into Monday night because Tyrese Halliburton started the game under the weather and the rest of the guys had confidence from Saturday that carried over into last night so uh that was it was good to game that split and now to have two in a row and to head to Las Vegas where I believe the team is right now, and they're already there and having a practice uh, as we speak. So uh, the preparations continue, and the in-season tournament, a smashing success for the Pacers so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has. I, yeah, and that's what, that's what goes with winning right there, right? I mean, that's what you yeah. get from winning something. We'll, we'll view that around here as something. Hey, yeah, what a great idea. And then others probably go, yeah, whatever. So. That, that's true, but I do think it's captivated the attention of people across the country. I mean, even if even if the teams that are playing on Wednesday night, I think they were tuned in and watching last night, and they'll be watching tonight, and, and they'll be paying attention. And it'll be the kind of thing where in January and February, you might have a few more Pacers jerseys in the, in the stands at some of these road venues because think back to that Reggie Miller era. People started to see that team perform, and all of a sudden you got more fans across the country. So that's what made that night last night so good and what makes this week so beneficial, I think, for the franchise. I think Reggie's got that game two on TNT on Thursday, right? Not game one, but game two, correct? Uh, He should be, yes. I didn't see the assignments, but I do know that the Eastern Conference game is 
is ESPN. So How could you do Pacers be... Knicks and not have Reggie be on <laughs> the call for that? Yeah, I know. That seems like it's a mistake. And maybe they'll they'll wise up and they'll take one of those games <laughs> down the road for a Thursday or a Tuesday night. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis again. I'm not. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm not too down with that. To be honest, so you have a short show on Friday. Is that the case? Oh no, yeah, that's why they better play well because you hijack an hour and a half of my show here. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll be satisfied if they play well. If they don't, I feel like I've been screwed over. Yeah, well, it's an unusual time. I wish it was. I actually do wish it was in the evening, but I yeah. think we'll figure out a way to watch and. I think we'll be entertained because that is one thing. Uh, this team has been highly entertaining through 19 games, and I expect that to continue all season. So if you're listening to us right now and you haven't tuned in or you haven't taken part in a game of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, just trust – you don't want to take my word for it. No. I mean, listen to people across the NBA. I mean, they, the Pacers are getting some attention, and they understand they have some, some room to improve. I mean, defensively – there's no doubt. They have to get better. But they do play an entertaining brand of basketball. They do. I went on Black Friday, and my kids are still spending money from that trip right there. Good Lord. <laughs> well, we appreciate your business. <laughs> yeah, all I got was a Bloody Mary. Yeah, milkshakes, cheeseburgers, and everything was happening there. So <laughs> good times to be had by all. All right. I appreciate you as always, too. And uh, we'll embrace when Pacers TV is is back on the job, JJ. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I've been walking up and down the stairs when I go from the court out to the set, and I've had two or three fans a night saying, when are you going to be on JMV next? So uh, I think people enjoy this. They this do, segment, buddy. So, they uh, do. They like talking about this today. team. Yeah, they just everybody thought last week I was too hard on them. And uh, I disagreed, but, uh, yeah, I think they like talking about this team for sure. Just like a coach that, uh, you know, sometimes has to raise his voice a little bit, I think you felt the need to raise your voice, and maybe the players were listening. Um, hopefully hopefully somebody does here. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Hello, Greg. Blobity, Bull Durham reference, by you, the way. You like that, I, I, did that, you? That slipped past me, and then when you said it, I'm like, wait a minute. That is a quality Bull Durham reference. Well played. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, we're going to see how this Hoosier team on the road in Michigan, because I-, I thought they got off to a tremendous start against Maryland last Friday night. Right, and 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 which was good to see. And I would put Michigan in the same boat as Maryland, as I'm not sure what they are, kind of like the Hoosiers. I mean, let's face it. You know, there's a couple of gold standards this year in the Big Ten. Obviously, Purdue is one of them, even with being beaten by Northwestern on the road on Friday night. Um, I think Indiana is amongst the best of the rest. A friend of mine having lunch, and they says, who's going to make the tournament? I said, yeah, I think they'll make the tournament. I don't think that's in question. How long they're in the tournament, what their seed is going to be in the tournament, I I think that's still up for our debate. So, you know, impressed by what we saw on Friday night. Now let's see them taking the road and see what they can do. So Greg Rakestraw, who's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, that's IU Michigan later on tonight. And uh, if there was, you know, ever an effort out there coming off a disappointing loss to Northwestern on Friday night in their Big Ten debut, uh, it was Fran McCaffrey in Iowa that was ready to be trounced and in West Lafayette, that's exactly what happened last night. 
That turned into a uh, just just the wrong night in the schedule uh, because I think Iowa knew the buzzsaw was coming after Purdue lost that game to Northwestern. And again, let's let's take away the usual negative connotation of you got beat by Northwestern. Hey, we're we're done with that at least for now. Okay, that is yeah. again a solid Big Ten team, and I think an NCAA tournament team up in Evanston. Uh, and it also shows you the difference in playing on the road and in playing at home in the Big Ten. Because, again, I think Iowa, much like Indiana, much like Michigan, Maryland, et cetera, I think Iowa's an NCAA tournament team. And it was jarring to look up, again, while I'm enjoying a little lunch this afternoon, I'm watching Big Ten in 60. I'm watching the freeze-dried version of that game last night, and I'm like, holy crap, they're up by 35 early in the second quarter. Yeah. You know, that's not like Iowa Western. You know, that, that that's not like Waldorf of Iowa. That's Iowa, Iowa. And Purdue led by 35 last night. Heck of a bounce-back effort by Matt Painter. And it's, uh, Greg Gregstraw is with us. The net rankings, what do they mean to you? Uh, not much, uh, especially this early in the season. It is great when you see mid-majors have a good net ranking, like obviously Indiana State does. Yes. Purdue-Fort Wayne has a very good one right now as well. Honestly, as, as those you know, minimal couple of chances to play against the big boys um, you know, go by the wayside, you get in your league, or if you're Indiana State, maybe you're playing teams that are between 50 and 200 for the most part. If you're Purdue-Fort Wayne, you're playing teams that are between 100 and 350. That number is going to kind of go down. So for the guys that are the, the, the non-multi-bid league teams, it's great that they're there now. The math will kind of catch up with them, and they're still going back to one-bid leagues. So it's a badge of honor for those guys now. It means a heck of a lot more for the Indiana, Purdue's, Notre Dame's, Butler's, et cetera, as we get into January and February. Um, I watched Indiana State against Bradley on the road in Peoria on Saturday, and they looked legit, Greg. You mentioned that last yeah. week. They look legit. Conwell can really play, uh, and I think Conwell – will like yeah. that system um, where no shot's a bad shot. And that's not meant to be, again, be negative. It's, it's, it's the way that Josh plays. Um, or they, they're going to get you in volume, and that works well for Ryan Conwell. Swope can really play, and he elected to leave USI, knowing he would not have the chance to play in the NCAA tournament, stayed in state. But again, everything on that team, the fulcrum point is Robbie Avila, um, because he is a big that can post but can also shoot. And again, I, 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 unfortunately, this is in the old days of the Valley, where I don't, I don't think there's an at-large berth coming from the Valley, unless somebody, whether it's Drake, Indiana State, et cetera, would happen to go, and, and forgive me, I don't know if they're playing 18, 20, or the full 22 in that league. I think they're playing 20, I think. So let's say a team were to go 19-1 and one and only slips up a couple of times in non-conference play, maybe then – an at-large berth would go to a Valley team. But I doubt that will happen. So it's still about being really good for three days at Arch Madness. But to your point, can the Sycamores play? Absolutely, John, they can. Um, So Robbie Avila, I have a great deal of enthusiasm for him because I'm a big fan of guys that kind of come disguised. 
What I mean by that, he, he kind of comes in a disguise where he can easily, and I, I know that information now travels fast, and there's probably uh, certainly not a lot you don't know about somebody you're about to play, but he still comes in a, a relatively unique disguise here at 6'10 and 240, and then once he gets out there, he just lays it on you. Well, I am a member of the Rexpec Ballers Club. You know, it's been 30 years, but I, I I will forever be a part of that group. So anybody that wears eyewear on the floor, they're okay by me. John. Right, right. I got you. Yeah, it's just kind of the overall package. I mean, it's yep. like, I'm sorry. You know when you get matched up with dudes and they think, all right, so this is it. This is the guy that, you know, went for 22 and 10 in Peoria last weekend. And then, you know, by the time you're, you're kind of checking things out, he's already in double figures on you and then making plays with the basketball off the ball as well. He's He's got a very unique skill set, I think, for a Terre Haute, Indiana at Indiana State. And now what I'm waiting on is for the fine people in Terre Haute to approach famous well-to-do alums such as yourself <laughs> and then say, hey, we're going to have to have you contribute to the human fund uh, and the human fund is going to Robbie Avila uh, yeah. because it might it might take a little more bank to keep him in Indiana State for a third consecutive season. I'm sorry. It's just the way the game is now played. So I'd be prepared for a phone call from Shrug Clink Scales at some point sooner rather than later. Well, you know, and you mentioned that too. I was talking to Dusty May times on the air last year during their final four run and then off the air. And, you know, there were calls coming at his guys when they were in their hotel rooms preparing for sure. games. I mean, it, it, and for the fact that he kept everybody intact, by the way, they get Illinois tonight at Madison Square Garden. The, the fact they kept everything intact is still amazing to me. But, you know, it's just it absolutely is the Wild West now. And, and you're right. It's going to take a lot more than just in general terms to probably keep him around for his junior season. There's a couple of ways I'd refer to it. This is the unabashed capitalism era. This is the Gordon Gecko era. Greed is good. Get what you can. There's also this really great SNL skit from the late 80s. Phil Hartman's in it, and it's called the All-Drug Olympics. Everything is legal. That's the point we have gotten to in, in, in major, and in this case, even mid-major college athletics. It's all legal, dude. So uh, time to raise some fat stacks of cash. You and Rowdy Williams, I'm banking on it. <laughs> He's an attorney over there, right? Rowdy? Absolutely. His, yeah. his signs are all over town. You guys, first bank, the whole nine yards. Get to work. He puts that thing on like either side of the train tracks in downtown Terre Haute, which is great because you got to sit there and stare at it for about 20 minutes a couple of times a day. And there's also symbolism, depending on whatever side of the tracks you're from, <laughs> yes. he is your guy. Work, it works on multiple levels. So Greg Rakestraw's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Butler 6-2. and two. How much of a surprise is it? Dogs get Buffalo tonight, Saturday, back at Hinkle against California. Your thoughts on what Thad Mata has cooking at Hinkle so far this year? A little bit of a surprise from where they were. Not at all a surprise because, you know, this just in, Thad Mata can really coach. And again, Butler figured out, hey, the dudes we had last year, it wasn't working. So let's completely start over. And while people may say, hey, that's not the Butler way, they're not recruiting the Indiana kids, uh, it's not four- and five-year guys, uh, I would point to the last 15, 20 years, there's usually been a really good transfer or two on that Butler team even before you could play immediately. I mean, Brandon Miller didn't start his days at, at, at Butler. Um, you know, I, I think back to there's somebody, you know, Robish wasn't a guy that started his career at Butler. 
Uh, I can keep going. Avery Woodson of recent vintage, Rodney Clark, et cetera, et cetera. Butler was was transfer friendly before it became where you could do that and bring in 10 new players. So um, they've made a jump up. Again, are they a tournament team? Well, obviously, being in the Big East, they'll have their opportunity to prove that and make their way back. But clearly, they have made a tremendous amount of progress in a short amount of time, which in one sense is surprising. But a couple, three other fronts, it really shouldn't be at all. Uh, by the way, Michael Lewis's squad in Muncie, 6-2. and two. They're on the road at Detroit Mercy, I believe, coming up. Yeah, that is uh, tomorrow evening. But 6-2 uh, and two for them. Uh, Bellarmine was a win. And then you go back to Little Rock, where they were on the road. It didn't have much luck down in Arkansas. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming you take that 6-2 and two start if you're Michael Lewis up in Muncie, don't you? Yes, you do, and and a trip to Callahan Hall shouldn't be too scary. Detroit Mercy, even when Mike Davis' son was playing, and Antoine, who was a great kid and a heck of a ball player, um, they weren't that great around him. Probably not all that good this year either. Um, So I think Ball State should come home 7-2 and after that game up in uh, the heart of Detroit. And then keep in mind, when you get the Boilermakers in Arizona up here on my birthday, December the 16th, the same day, mind you, you get the Colts and the Steelers at Lucas Oil Stadium, you get a 145 gathering between Indiana State and Ball State there as well. Uh, that's a heck of a way to celebrate your birthday. So I'm assuming um, you you want me to switch your shows? You want to do the post game show? <laughs> no, or pre game? No, I don't. I don't. You don't. You know, oh, okay. you know me in the post game show. I don't want any part of that. So no. I I, I thought you with know. With due respect to, to you, with due respect. Yeah. yeah, I don't want that. So yeah. <laughs> I got I got the Jags and Lindenwood at noon. I probably could have done anybody. <laughs> what you got going on this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I have the Forum Tip-Off Classic. Uh, so we have all six games on ISC, the last two games on my MyNDTV. Um, the last two games will be Lawrence North and Fort Wayne Wayne at 7, followed by Kokomo and Fishers at 8.30. Obviously, the Kokomo story, I'm not sure, needs to be said at this point. But credit to Garrett Weininger and Fishers. Without Jamin Harrelson, they are 5-0. and yeah. And they've got some really impressive wins. Uh, great field down there. I saw Center Grove last Saturday. Even in defeat against Addicts, I was very impressed by their group. They have six seniors. They're tough. They're physical. They're going to be a tough out in the postseason. Noblesville, Addicts, Garing Catholic, Heritage Hills, um, Greenfield Central. Good to see Braylon Mullins. I'm now of an age where I'm covering the very talented sons of the players that I covered when they played at IUPUI. So there's Mullins at Greenfield Central, Noah Smith that is at, that is at Plainfield. I consider their dads great people and good friends. So I've hit that middle age, John. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Uh, I'm gonna see how much the the Suns game compares to their dads. What I called their days uh, early in the Jaguar days of Division One. So it's it Southport too um, in that tip off classic. I, I believe Sicily, right, and Heritage Hills. They're up here too. Correct. So they play Garen Catholic, yeah. and that is a that's the three forty game, the third game of six, and obviously that could easily be a semi state game in three A. Um, I, I don't think that 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 Trent has the talent around him. His older brother did when he was at Heritage Hills, even though it is still a very young team. That is largely sophomores and juniors that is on that Heritage Hills roster. We had them this past week. They beat Evansville Christian in the first game at Brownsburg. They're playing the third game up here. And, again, that that game probably goes a long way in terms of what the 3A postseason might just look like with Garen Catholic being the runners-up and returning a lot from last year's uh, state runner-up team in 3A. He is Greg Graystraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and let the uh, records reflect that he is just great doing the post-game show and I'm incredibly comfortable doing the pre-game show 
and let Just it stand. I offer for your birthday party, but hey, no worries, buddy. All good. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. We'll talk again. See you, dude.